the the main thing that used to go to my head was like, I mean, I didn't choose to be born, right? That, that was like the thing. I was like, I didn't choose to be born, so why do I have to work so, so hard just to get to know my creator? We're conditioned to work our butts off and then present a trophy of some of some value and say, hey, do you love me now? I didn't ask you to build anything for me. I just asked you to let me love you. For us to be able to be loved by God, we have to step off of our pedestal of pride, of where we think that we can do all this. Like we see in our culture nowadays of people saying that, they want to be the ones to speak stuff into existence and stuff like that. Like you hear that a lot. It's like, oh, like I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to speak this into existence. But the thing is, is like there's only one that can speak and it will happen. And there's only one that can speak and it will come into existence. And it's not us. This is not behavior modification anymore where I'm just trying to follow these Christian morals. This is my father in, who, in heaven who I was created after his image. So he knows me better than I know myself. Okay, there's this weight on my heart and there's this baggage that I've been carrying that only he can he can rid it. He Only he can cleanse my heart of this baggage. My story is kind of crazy. I followed Islam for from ages 9 to 17. And I was like, hey, mom, like, is there like a way to believe in God but not religion? Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Shema, introduce yourself, what you do, who you are, your career. Just just introduce yourself and tell the people who you are. What's up, guys? So, my name is Shema Kamal. I'm 20 years old. I am a content creator. Um, I do videography. You know, I attend Enjoy Life ATL, which is the best youth movement in the world just shameless plug right there but yeah you know that's who i am i make videos about jesus um i have a podcast as well um yeah you're just a content creating fool yeah yeah man <laughs> i kind of want to start off with just a question i didn't tell you about this one yesterday but talk about jesus who, who is jesus to you well like <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would have like this overly spiritual answer and I feel like the simplest form of like who I would say Jesus is to me is simply a friend, a father, and, and my Lord. Um, and I try to separate each of those, you know, uh, in certain aspects in my life, especially when I go to him where if I need consoling, I go to him as a friend. Um, if I need correction, I go to him as, as my Lord and if I just, you know, want to be near to him and, you know, just want to honestly get to know him, I try to get to know him as a father. So, I mean, those those are the three things that I really see him as in my life. That's cool, bro. So I want to ask one more question and then I want you to tell us your story and how you came to know the Lord and everything. But when you talk about boldness and confidence, especially content creation, there is... A very real reality where where fear can play a factor. Fear of man, fear of yeah. people's opinions, fear of X, Y, Z can deter you from being faithful in creating content, putting yourself out there in front of you know lots of people that you know you've grown up with and talking about this Jesus who saved you. I mean, I remember the spiritual warfare and the fear of man that played into me when I posted my very first video. So I guess talk about if you even experienced that or if you did experience that in the past to now where you find like your boldness and your confidence, where that comes from. Yeah. Um, so basically the way I, I, I kind of did have a similar experience where I know like I was, I had a lot of fear of man at first in the sense of like, 
you know, what would people think of me? Um, you know, at that time I was trying to do uh, content creation solely just to just to do it, you know, um, not even mm-hmm. for the Lord. I was I was doing that mostly just for fun, you know, um, as a hobby. But I had that fear of man, especially last year when I started doing content where I posted my first video and some people, you know, like DM me and was like, hey, bro, like um, and it was not even just fear of man from like secular people, like even people from the church where I was like, they, they were like, hey, bro, like be careful with what you're saying. Like, you know, um, I was really scared of what they were saying rather than, you know, am I saying something that pleases the Lord? And kind of like mm-hmm. the way that I got over just um, just that fear of man and, and everything is truly by having fear of the Lord. And, and my leader, Marco, he um, I, I'm, I'm one of his disciples and I walk really close to him. And one thing he always talks to me is like, don't have fear of man and have true fear of the Lord. We always ask, like, what is fear of the Lord? Like, people think it's, like, this thing of just being super scared of God and and his wrath, and they think of the scariest things. But having, like, true fear of the Lord is having true reverence of who he is and and true honor of who he is. And, like, once I understood that and I was like, okay, I'm not posting this content to, to just, you know, touch people and stuff like that. I'm doing what I believe god wants me to do you know and i'm very i'm very hesitant on the whole you know god told me this or god spoke to me this but this is one thing that i've truly felt conviction and peace over is you know posting content and talking about jesus and the thing that led me to your your question was boldness and, and the thing that led me to that was having something called spiritual maturity um and at like our church we have this uh course called spiritual maturity course and we just all sit together and and we kind of go through what it takes to be spiritually mature, um, how to, how we should walk in the spirit. Um, you, you can see it um, in in the book of Romans where it describes uh, how we should walk in the spirit. Um, but from from me, just you know, understanding what true spiritual maturity was, I was like, okay, now I'm bold in what I'm gonna say because what I'm saying I know is right. You know, and like mm-hmm. I feel like as Christian content creators, we get to this point where it's like we're trying to you know get on the thin line of let's say something cool for a sound bite or let's say something cool so someone can like reshare it and stuff and that walks a really great line of are you saying something that's true and that's something that's biblical and something that's not or something that just sounds motivational right and once i was able to you know go through the course you know walk closer to my leaders and stuff like that and understand like these are certain truths of the bible that are not just you know gray area this is black and white you know and that's kind of if you've seen my content a lot of things i talk about may sound super simple and black and white but there's a real reason to that because i think that when we make content as um as christians it's like not always does it have to be hey this is my doctrine this is my um this is my ideology that i believe rather than pointing everything to the bible because when you point everything to the bible it's right how can you argue with mm-hmm. what's black and white there? So that's what kind of helped me gain that boldness to be like, hey, I'm going to share the simple gospel because I feel like there's a lot of people that go on social media and they're like, oh, um, this guy's talking about the Trinity. I don't get what the Trinity is, you know? Like mm-hmm. my content caters more towards the people that haven't had true revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us. And I talk simply about, hey, look, Jesus loves you. You 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 need to repent, but look, Jesus loved you first. You no. Know? So yeah, that's that's really how I, I'm really bold about, you know, who he is and talking about him. So 
as I was thinking about this, what I wanted to say, the significance of what Jesus did on the cross and the reality of what sacrificing for sins was prior to Jesus, understanding that reality gives us a perspective on the how great of a reality we live in today, living yeah. in God's grace. And it even says somewhere else that the, the prophets of, of the Old Testament used to inquire of the grace that we that, that there would one day be experienced among believers. They would long to experience this grace. They knew the Messiah would come one day, but they, they didn't experience the, the intimacy and the grace that we now have in Christ Jesus. So the fact that Jesus Christ... They used to they used to have to sacrifice bulls and goats to cover their sins, yet that never really truly covered their sins. It was a temporary the, the bull the, the blood of bull, bulls and goats can never be a complete atonement for our yeah. sins. But now that Jesus bridging that gap has now become the one atonement that bulls and goats couldn't adequately become, he became that atonement and he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And he has become a great high priest over the house of God. And now we can draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Awesome. And that word evil conscience, you know, our consciences, like we oftentimes are our own worst enemies condemning ourselves. Our consciences convict us or con- not convict us, condemn us. Yeah. And we we have this guilt, this shame, this this battle with this internal internal man in us. And God sprinkles that clean, and we can come into the throne room, enter into the throne room of God, have intimacy with the Holy God. Who, I mean, every I was looking at all the Old Testament prophets, and even Matt, Peter at the Transfiguration, and even John when he was in Revelation one. Everybody who had an encounter with the Lord in human flesh, when they saw. God and they had a, even either a vision or in the they always fell on their face. Yeah, and they were t- and it, even at that they were terrified. But every time, also the Lord would come up and say, "Fear not." So they would fall down in terror at the sight of His Majesty. But then He would pick them up and say, "Fear not," because you know there is no. I mean, this Majesty is not to be had. You know, the fear of God isn't legit fear, but it's all in reverence yeah. and all of that. So. That was a really long-winded way to explain, like, literally just the confidence we can have in the Lord, and yeah. and I feel like that scripture did it justice. But yeah. um, I want you to go into your story now. So talk about coming to know Jesus, coming to know the Lord. I mean, yeah, just go into your story. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear more about you. Yeah, bro. So basically, like... My story is kind of crazy. Um, basically, when I was um, from ages one through eight, I was Catholic. Um, and like, that's how I like grew up. Like my foundational years was uh, being Catholic. Of course, not like a yeah. devout Catholic. I'm going to church every Sunday, but I was Catholic. Um, and then when my parents split, um, I my mom became Muslim. So because I was in her house, um, that's what I followed. I followed Islam for from ages nine to seventeen, I think. And wow. so uh I think it was right after I turned seventeen, it was um actually it was Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve. Uh, my mom's friend invited us to come to a, a service and um I was just sitting in the crowd and they, you know, did the salvation prayer and they're like 
if anyone wants to come up and give their life to Christ, uh, come up and do so or whatever. And I had conversations with my mom weeks before and I was like, Hey mom, like what, like, why do I have to pray five times a day to get to know God? Like I, I want to be like, love do i is it like a conditional love do i have to do all this just to to receive love from god or like to hear my prayers answered like i have to pray five times a day i have to you know i have to do all these religious things to you know you know get close to god and i asked her and i sat down and i was like hey is there like a way to believe in god but not religion and that's what i like Mm. that's how i kind of approached her with that even i talked to my dad about i was like at this point my dad's not really as catholic as he was before and i was like hey i feel like i believe in god but i don't believe in religion and i kind of was just like in a stuck place for those two months or whatever and when i was at that service going back to that service um so i asked my mom that prior to this service like way before i got to that service and they said who wants to accept christ you know, come up to the stage, like, without hesitation, I got up and, like, walked up to the stage, and I was like, I'm accepting Christ, and I accepted Jesus that night, and I looked back at my mom, you know, kind of, like, in a sense of, like, I didn't know how she was going to react, but when I looked at her, she was smiling, and she was in tears, and I was, like, really confused at that point, I was like, the Muslims I know, like, when you from from what i've learned is like when you accept jesus christ in your heart especially in in their um in their text it's like you're you're damned to hell you know it's like when you accept christ in your heart as a muslim like it's done but to see to look over there and see my mom smiling and and crying and in tears and happy for me i was like okay this is weird right and literally days after that every day i was getting calls and texts from family members like you just made the best decision of your life and i didn't understand it at all and basically from there i was 17 um and a couple days later you know i was just you know starting to feel tested you know i started to feel like my my faith was being tested um uh this this girl that went to my school um unfortunately she uh ended her life and i was like i had just gotten to know her and stuff and i was like this is like the first time I ever questioned God. I was like, God, like, why? Like, why would you, why would you let this happen and stuff? And I feel like that's, that's very, like a big misconception we have a lot of times is like, oh, like this is, you know, God's fault or we blame stuff on God and stuff doesn't go the way that we want. And, and I feel like that was like a very big misconception I had at that time. And then a couple months later, one of my good friends, you know, passed away in an accident, um, like in February. Um, and my other friend, James, he was in the car as well as him, and it was a really sad time. And this time is the time that honestly marked my life as a Christian. Um, at this time, like I said, I felt like I was going through the fire. Like I felt like I was being tested. Like I felt like God was like just testing me. And um, my friend James, who um, who's like this, he's a fireman of God. He he basically they were they were going to church him and my friend Andre that's his name the one that passed um they were going to church so they went to church and you know Andre you know accepted Jesus they had like like this really great moment and as they were leaving out of the church parking lot they got hit at like 70 miles an hour and he was like in a two-door coupe so he's like really low he got hit Andre instantly passed like on the scene and James uh was critically injured 
And what I remember of James in high school was like, this guy would always post Bible verses and he would always post like, and this, he was one of my friends for the longest. Like we kind of fell off in high school, but like from like third grade, like since we were like nine, we were like really close. But I would always see him post Bible verses and I'd be like, I'd always ask him, I'm like, bro, like, what does this mean? Like questions. And at, that's, at the time I was asking him these things, I was Muslim. And I was like, you know, like, what does this mean? You know, what does faith, what does faith mean? What does grace mean? Like I'd ask him stuff like that. And, and basically after that accident, James was like critically injured and he's in the hospital now. And I, I vividly remember, I was like, bro, this is like, this is tough. Like I, I've known this guy for so long. This is tough. And I went to go visit him in the hospital. And I'll never forget this image of like when I walked in the room, um, his family is there. It was just a somber scene where like everybody had their heads down. It was just sad. And his dad took me over into the hospital room where he was in. And I could just remember seeing tubes in his mouth and like critical condition. And I was like, bro, what the heck? And all his family said to me was just keep praying, keep praying for him. And I was like, what? Like, that's not something I wanted to hear at that time. And I was like a very, very, very baby Christian. I didn't know what it meant to, you know, have a prayer life or whatever. And I was just like, oh my God, okay. They just keep telling me this. That's like, that's just a way to comfort me or whatever. And so I prayed. Um, I think a lot of us were praying and that was like the most unifying time in our community, but we were praying and bro, James came out of the hospital just a couple days later and he was good. He was in a neck brace, like he's good. But the thing that marked me for the rest of my life is because I asked him. I went to his house and he just came home and I was like, like he was talking with a smile on his face. And I literally asked him, I was like, bro, how can you be so happy? You literally lost your best friend. And he was like, because I have confidence in in Jesus and, and I know what he did in my life and I know what he did in his life before he left. And I was like, what? And that like made me take a step back. And I was like, how does this guy who literally lost his best friend in a car accident. He was in the car. He's, he's the one that went to church with him. He, sh- he could be feeling the biggest amount of guilt right now, but he's happy because he felt at peace with knowing that what the Lord did is what the Lord wanted to do in his life. And he truly trusted in that. And I was like, wow, that is true faith. And I moved to Arizona, went through like one of the darkest periods of my life. And I'm going to fast forward through all that. And then I came back to Georgia and James invited me to something called Life Group. Um, and this is at the church that I go to enjoy. He invited me to life group. And I was like, the heck is this life group thing? I I was like, you know what, bro, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go. And so I went and, um, it was like the week of my birthday. I just turned 18 at this time. And then I went and I walked in and we were like 10 minutes late or something. We got in the whole room was dark. It was like a tiny living room. Like it was like, I'd say like the equivalent of like five, 600 square feet. It was like a small living room. It was like Mm. 15 people in there lights like dim and someone just playing the guitar like just worshiping yeah and i'm just like looking around and like there's people with their hands raised like speaking in tongues praying out loud and i was like where the heck did you just bring me bro like where (laughs) where where am i right now and i was like uh i don't know bro i don't know what this is and i kind of just stood there like the you know the stereotypical just like arms crossed like all right what's going on like just looking around and stuff (laughs) But that night, like, lit a fire underneath me, and I was just like, uh, I, I walked out, and I talked to James. I was like, bro, I don't know what that was, bro. I don't know what to feel, but oh, overwhelmed. I don't know what that – I don't know what happened. I just felt overwhelmed. And so I went back to Arizona, and for some reason, I just wanted to read my Bible. I don't know why. I just had that, like, hunger to read my Bible. So, like, 
I was like, I posted on my Snapchat story. I was like, hey, who wants to start like a, a little Bible group and like we can study the Bible and stuff like that. Now knowing is like being more mature, like, you know, you probably need some like leadership to help you with that or whatever. But at that time I was like, you know, let's go for it. Let's read the Bible. And my favorite book all time is just Proverbs. You know, like that's like I everybody goes to like start with Genesis and, and it goes along there. For some reason, I just opened up Proverbs and I just started reading Proverbs. And like just yeah. all the wisdom that's in Proverbs, just like, bro, it, it, was, it was speaking to me like a lot. And I moved back to Georgia and I started, you know, walking close with the people I'd enjoy and stuff like that. And and I started to get to know who they were and know their hearts. And, and bro, like James is really like a catalyst for that in my life. And he like really helped me with my early walk with Jesus. And from there to now, like still I'd enjoy it three years later. Um, and yeah, like it's been it's been really good. Even even Marco's walking in right now. <laughs> he's walking in right now he's on the phone but yeah like bro it's it's insane bro like just just to see how his life like one person's life um can can be so impactful on you especially when you can see them reflecting who jesus is and reflecting like the love that jesus has that's pretty much like my story bro like that's how i got to where i'm at now bro that's that's awesome that's yeah, bro. that's awesome i want to go back to you talked about you your question when you were leaving Islam and having questions about Christianity. And the question that was really the catalyst behind that was, why do I have to pray five times a day to get to know God? Yeah. But if you can, if you even remember, go back into what you felt like the stirrings in your heart were, like how that time of questioning and if you... It was probably a lot deeper than than that was. That's the summary, the short version. Yeah. But do you remember that time very well? Could you go into it? Yeah, I remember that time. I was honestly just like, it was actually the month of uh, Ramadan, and yeah. it was like, hey guys, so we're gonna be fasting every day for this month, and we're only gonna eat at sunrise or sunset. I was like, okay, why? No one could ever give me a reason why. Like, why are we doing that? Um, then I was like. Then it was like, oh, and then you have to do the prayer in the morning, the early morning. Then the second one, like around, like, there's like the one right at sunrise and the, the morning one, then the lunch one, and then the other two at the end of the day. That's one at sunset, one like or a little bit before that in the afternoon. And I did all of those things like for that month. And I was just like, I don't feel any closer to God. Like, I don't, I don't feel mm-hmm. any closer to, to God and like. To me, maybe it was just like the people that were my examples of it, but I was just like, I don't see any like other than going to the the um, the mosque like at the end of that month. I just saw examples of like many people that were Muslim in my life of like where it would be like, oh, I'm gonna go through the, my whole like year, and then on Ramadan I'm gonna act right, you know, and like try to get my sins forgiven for for that month. But then I was just like that that method in my eyes was just flawed. I was just like, I have to do all this just to like the the main thing that used to go through my head was like, I mean, I didn't choose to be born, right? That, that was like the thing. I was like, I didn't choose to be born. So why do I have to work so, so hard just to get to know my creator? And yeah. that's the thing that was really, <laughs> that was really like, that was really hard for me uh, in the sense of thinking of like, I have to work for this first before I get to know him. And now, now I obviously know like, 
it's the other way around. And, and that kind of goes back to what I said. It was like, I went to my mom and I was like, Hey, how, how can I believe in God, but not religion and stuff like that? Is there, is there something that exists that's like that and stuff like that? And she was like, uh, I don't know what you're trying to ask me. She was kind of confused as to what I was trying to ask her. And I come to know now that literally that's Christianity. It's not a religion, it's relationship. And a lot of people take that as like a little, like a joke or like a meme or whatever of like, Oh, every Christian's going to be like, Oh, it's not real religion. It's relationship, but it's true. It, it's true in the sense of like the father, us having a relationship with the father leads us to do good works for him. It's not the other way around. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I came to realize that the thing that I was seeking for was seeking for pretty much Jesus. Like if I was thinking of a figure and what I was seeking for, I was seeking, since I was seeking to have a relationship with him and because I was seeking having a relationship with him now I'm doing video stuff for the church now I'm doing all these other things you know all these other works yeah. for him not in the other way around of I'm gonna make the best video and then I'm gonna get to know Jesus like no it's you have to know Jesus to be able to do these things and mm-hmm. back in that time I didn't know that I, I just thought it was oh to be right with God, I just, if I sin, I just got to say my bad, you know, and move on, you know, and like, and I got to do all these works just to, you know, be right with him. And I used to think like it was like another period in my life that I'll get close to him. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. like, I feel like the mindset back then, like, like in your teenage years, it's like, oh, I'm going to live out my teenage, my 20s and all that stuff. And then I'm going to get close with God later in my life when I'm older and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When I have time to try and get my sins forgiven and stuff, you know. But yeah, that's pretty much what I remember from that time. It's almost it's almost harder to be loved by God than to love God in our culture today. Yeah. I, I almost feel like it's we're conditioned by the American dream. Let's just do the you know America because that's the the context that we know. The American dream hustle culture. We're conditioned to work our butts off and then present a trophy of some of some value and say, "Hey, do you love me now?" Yeah. And that's not how God operates. God operates. He's like, these are meaningless. Like, it, maybe it's not meaningless, but I didn't ask you to build anything for me. I just asked you to let me love you. And truly surrendering and allowing God to love you is the most vulnerable place a person can be because to be loved, you have to allow him to see all of you. Yeah. And to allow him to see all of you requires trust. And yeah. When you really, we're, we're digging into the heart stuff now. When you really trust somebody, and you can share anything with somebody. He becomes tangible. He becomes real. He becomes a person. Obviously, he obviously we know God is alive today, but he also that fatherly connection becomes okay. Now he's no longer just this is not behavior modification anymore. Where I'm just trying to follow these Christian morals. This is my father and who in heaven who I was created after his image. So he knows me better than I know myself. Yeah, and now it becomes personal. Now it becomes okay. There's this weight on my heart, and there's this baggage that I've been carrying that only he can he can rid it. He only he can cleanse my heart of this baggage. I, I think I, it was something that I I was talking about, you know, yesterday. I think I, I posted something on it um, in Philippians chapter two, and and it's like 
for us to be able to be loved by God, we have to step off of our pedestal of pride of where we think that we can do all this. Like we see in our culture nowadays of people saying that they want to be the ones to speak stuff into existence and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You hear that a lot. It's like, oh, like I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to speak this into existence. But the thing is, is like there's only one that can speak and it will happen. And there's only one that can speak and it will come into existence. And it's not us. We're not the ones Mm -hmm. that can do that. And for us to step down and become humble and understand that like God's love for us is it outweighs anything that we could ever do. I, I it just brought me to Philippians chapter two when when it talks about humility and Christ's humility in itself, where it says, um, "Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity." And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that every, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And mm-hmm. it shows just in that saying like, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. It shows that Jesus humbled himself. And in the way that we always talk about reflecting Jesus, we should be able to do what he does. Obviously, we're never going to be perfect, and we're not, we, but we strive to be just like him. We have to be able to step down from our pedestal, step down from our pride, and be able to be loved by him, like you said, bro. And, and I think it's really good that we can see what happens once you're humble. It's like, same thing with being trusted with the small, like same thing with being faithful in the small, like when we're faithful in the small, God trusts us with the big, you know? So, and I think that Mm -hmm. it's really good that we can, you know, just be humble and, and know that his ways are better than our own. Um, and bro, I I think, I think that we have it really like mixed up in this generation thinking that like we have, like the words to say and the power to to make things move when at the end of the day, the power comes from the Lord and the power comes from the Holy Spirit that's in us. The same Holy Spirit that's in me, bro, is the same that's in you and the same that is in everybody that, that believes in Jesus, bro. Mm-hmm. And and like, it's it's noticeable that in like our generation, we lack submitting completely to the Lord because we lack allowing him to like love us, you know? And And that's like the same thing like within like relationships stuff like that is that you see a lot of divorce because a lot of people don't know how to allow people to love them truly because we think that you know oh we we love them but we can't let them love us too much because that shows too much of ourselves like we have to put up a veil mm-hmm. and we don't understand that the veil has already been torn in 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 marriage in marriage what's what happened in the ceremony you lift the veil when when jesus died for us what happened the veil tore so like Bro, it's the same exact parallels into what's going on with our lives, bro. And I think that's something that our generation needs to hear and understand is that the veil has been torn. It is finished. And the gospel is simpler than what a lot of people make it out to be. You know, so, yeah, bro. This is the, the, the study note on my in my Bible. Hebrews 10, 20. Christ opened the veil of the heavenly tabernacle through his death. That is through his flesh. Jesus' flesh identified with the fleshly curtain or veil because that was torn open just as Jesus' flesh was torn open. Jesus literally tore the physical veil when the earth was thundering and the, the sky went dark when he but he 
ripped. And in in Matthew, I don't know the exact word, but like you you hear a ripping of the literal veil, but it also literally ripped the heavenly veil that was ripped yeah. apart. And now we are almost it was almost through that ripping our access was being granted again. But I think the greatest epidemic. I I think the greatest epidemic in our society today is a generation that doesn't know how to be loved. Yeah. And vulnerability is the true mark of manhood and especially, you know, woman included. Vulnerability is the true mark of someone who's walking by the spirit. Being able to be vulnerable with your friends takes equally, if not more strength than to put up, it it takes way more strength to be vulnerable than to put up a veil of toughness or like, Hey, I don't need help. I don't need your, I don't need to be counseled. I don't need to be talked through this problem that this weight that's been on my heart for two, three weeks now, the the struggle of, you know, walking through hard situations. I'm, I'm trying to think of practicals, but practicals never do it. But being vulnerable takes way more strength than putting up this false, this false persona of strength and in that false persona of strength is actually in weakness and what does the bible say that christ's power is made perfect in our weakness when we are at our weakest point and being vulnerable is when his power is made perfect and in, in, in allowed to then be made manifest at the end of our rope is where the beginning of him who is perfect begins to work and that's just bro, bro we preaching now we get into something something it's deep good, here bro. Yeah. But uh man, that's crazy. So the next question, this is kind of like kind of broad, but when you think of Jesus as peace, what what comes to your mind when you think of peace? All right, so I take it I take it like this and and someone actually like uh, uh, we have life group and someone stumped me with this one time, but I was able to, you know, be able to speak on it. But so with the parking ticket analogy, it's the sense of like Let's say you're in the court and there is a judge, right? And basically you just did the craziest super speeder or whatever. And you're going to get a lot of time in jail. Um, You're going to get judged. You're going to get, you know, your sentencing. But you have to come up with a fine. Like, Like the fine is however much money. And you're sitting in there and someone just walks in and pays it for you. Now, if it's that simple and someone just comes in and pays it for you, you don't think about, you know, that that person just paid it for you. They, they, some people won't think of it as grace. They'll think of it as charity or like someone just had you as a charity case or, or whatever. But the reason why that that parking ticket analogy shows grace is because that person that came in is uh, the person that is the figure of the judge would be God the father. And the person that came in to pay the price was God the Son. It was Jesus. Jesus came and he paid that price for us. And the reason that it is grace, the reason that it is love, is because in the same way, we can switch that analogy and it's, and the judge still remains a judge, but the person that walks in is your father, is is, is your dad, like your, your like physical dad, like your dad here. Walks in and he's like, hey son, it's because I love you, I'm going to pay this ticket for you. I'm going to pay it in full for you so you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, uh, gain, get this punishment and that's a, that's the same way of like the reason and, and the reason why that shows grace in general is just because of the fact that we don't deserve it and and it's something that I feel like for us especially I would say especially as men 
um, we we have that trouble of living under the grace because we don't understand. We want to be so logical. Like we want to be like, this person paid this for me. I think they did this because they want me to like people think of the grace of God as if some like Jesus came to pay it so that we could worship him. No, that's not what it is. He came to pay it so that we could be loved by him and have free access to him. And I, I feel like us as men, we think so logically and we're like, oh, you know, someone did this for me. They must want something from me. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it feels like it feels like nowadays we take it as, oh, God, Jesus paid the debt and now we owe him. Jesus paid the debt and now we have to do all these things so that we can pay that back to him. But the reality of it is that we cannot pay that back to him. And the reality of it is that it's already finished, you know. Um, and I think I kind of went on a tangent about the the grace part. And no, you're good. Myself, but the craziest thing about meekness, Jesus was the most meek person in the earth. Jesus at, at, at Matthew 17, he reveals himself to Peter, James, and John, pulls back his his flesh and reveals to them his heavenly glory. His face, his face shone like the sun, and his and his clothes were white as snow. A picture of his heavenly reality. Jesus possessed this power all throughout the earth. To me, the most powerful thing about Jesus is the fact that people can go about their lives blaspheming, completely walking, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, completely walk away from God, yet his grace and his love and his sacrifice in an offering, an offering for payment for your sins and forgiveness for your sins is always available, yet he doesn't force it upon you. Yeah. That, for some reason, like you think about power, you think about Jesus coming, coming, you know, not being born of a Virgin Mary, not dwelling as an infant child, completely vulnerable in. Like you could have held baby Jesus in your two hands. What more? How much more of a weak state could the yeah. the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords come in? I mean, that's yeah. that's so weak and vulnerable. He could have came in his heavenly glory, sat on the the, the throne of Rome, and made everyone worship him, and said, "Hey, my love, regardless, my love is sufficient. I love all y'all, but like because I know what's best for y'all, I'm gonna make everyone worship me." But he didn't decide to do that because although that's what our earthly and fleshly think, uh, view of power looks like, that's not what heavenly power in the true that's king good. of kings power, that's, that, that's not what power truly looks like. True power looks like meekness. Though I hold this power, I don't, out of love, I'm not going to use you. I'm going to let my love and my grace bring unto you a revelation so then, then you can become vulnerable like we were talking earlier because a lot of people don't want to become vulnerable until they understand his grace. Like, oh, I comprehend his grace. I can actually cast my worries and my shames and my, my sin upon you. But that revelation of grace comes first. That's what's crazy about Ephesians 2, 4. I'm kind of just riffing now, but it says he made us alive together. He made us alive. Ephesians 2, 4, I think it is. He made us alive that revelation of grace almost comes first before you think, wow, you are capable to carry my sins. Yeah. You're capable that I can yeah. be vulnerable in your presence. Grace is always mentioned first. Like it always aligns with peace. And it, and it says, um, 
It says, uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, it says that in Philippians. It's literally the first thing you see in Philippians. And all, like it always begins with grace, and then it gets to peace. Like Anything that happens like in our life, especially like with our walk with Christ, it begins with grace. It begins with the grace that he has over our life. And I always tell people like this, it's like someone always, I've, I've always gotten this question where I don't know if you've gotten it too, but it's like, how, how can someone go through their whole life and like they're in jail for, you know, mass murder or whatever? How can that person go to heaven? Right. And, and a lot of people are like, that person doesn't deserve it. Guess what? We don't deserve it either. And the, mm-hmm. the reason everything starts with grace is because with that grace, it gives everybody a chance to know who Jesus is. It gives everybody a chance because what happens when we go when we die, we have to go and account for everything that, for everything that we've done. And obviously we are all sinners, but because of the grace of God, God gives everybody a fair chance to know who he is. So for the people that clearly decide not to follow him, you have the black and white answer. What's going to happen, you know? And that's not to make put people in fear, but it's also to let people know that doesn't mean to abuse his grace and live your whole life as a sinner. No, it means have revelation of the grace that he's given you and make your life change from there. Because Mm -hmm. from grace comes obedience. From grace comes servant, being a servant. From grace comes loving like Jesus. Everything comes from a place of grace. And, And the thing is, is like a lot of people want to go, you know, Uh, especially Christians like we always want to we always think about our time of like our first love like our first love fire and stuff like that that began with grace but we always go to that place of like dang like I really wish I was on fire like I was back then you know like when I first became a Christian you know like reading my bible every day and and all that and and what happens there is we start to condemn ourselves off of like where we are now and forget that there is grace that's available for us to where, yeah, we want to go back to that time of where we had our, our first love fire, and we easily can because of the grace of God. Mm-hmm. He's not condemning us because maybe we've, we've you know, not read our Bible seven days in a row, and, and like, we only read it five days when back in the day we read it seven days. Like, you know, it's because of His grace we can go back to the roots of what His love is. Grace is the initiator. Jesus is a gentleman. He yeah. is the initiator of everything. We don't have to. Everyone's felt the, probably the nervous energy, maybe just introverts, but surely everybody at one point in their time, you walk into a brand new room where you don't know anybody and you feel like you have to initiate these yeah. relationships, begin to put yourself out there to make friends, to meet people, or just to be a good person. Just like, hey, yeah. like I want to be nice to people. But the beauty of through our relationship with God as he initiated first. He initiated. That's why striving is not a thing in the Christian life because striving implies that we have to initiate something to then merit God to respond. That's good. But when you sink back and you just rest, you realize that he's going to minister to you. He's going to love on you, which then produces in me sometimes literal tears. For some reason, like I'm like a crier when I'm experiencing God. And like all I have to do is read his word and allow him to minister to me because he's the initiator and he will always be the initiator because he is a a power source i don't think like don't think power but like 
His power is eternal. He does, he's yeah. not he's not confined by a human body. I have limitations of energy, and and my mind gets tired, my thoughts get tired, my my desires sometimes go haywire. But God is eternal. Yeah. So that is always never going to run dry. But again, with being conditioned, so many people have been let down their whole life that they're conditioned to think God's going to let them down again. But you can actually wake up every day in His grace, and He loves you perfectly every single day. But some people think that's fantasy. Some people think that's not actually reality. But yeah. if you press in, like you will begin to understand. Yeah. He can perfectly love you every single day. Yep. But last thing I want to say about on peace, I didn't even get to the one I was originally going to get to. Lately, I've been hearing Prince of Peace. And when you think of, let me ask you a question. Before I go into this, I'll ask you a question. When you think of anxiety and peace a lot of people think that peace is the antithetical to anxiety and anxiety is the antithetical to peace when you think of like specifically people struggling with anxiousness where does peace come in in that conversation what i would say with anxiety is a lot of the times we're not at peace when like anxiety is a real thing and I feel like a lot of people kind of brush it off and say it's like this it's not a real thing but anxiety is a real thing and I I truly believe that you know anxiety starts when we shift our eyes away from Jesus and shift it to ourselves you know and I think that having true peace is having our eyes locked onto Jesus and that, that there's a reason he's called the prince of peace like I can tell for my own my own life when I'm feeling the most anxious, it's when I'm the furthest away from the Lord and where my eyes are not set on Him. Because once you have your eyes set on things of the world, such as you have your eyes set on money, you're going to have your eyes set on that. And when your eyes are set on that, you f- start to think of, how is money going to work for me? How is money going to help me? How is money going to... And then it starts into, from that money, you start to think about yourself. You start to be like, oh... Okay, how am I going to make money? How am I going to provide for all these people? How am I going to do this? And then you start to see that anxiety start to build up. But once your eyes are on Jesus, you understand that he is provision. When you, when you have your eyes on Jesus, you understand that he is peace. When you have your eyes on Jesus, you start to focus on what Jesus is already doing and what he has already done for you rather than flipping it around and thinking, what can I do for him? And that kind of for me, it helps. It's a reminder for me that when I am anxious, my eyes aren't set on him. And when, like I said, like when my eyes are set on him, everything else comes. Everything else flows from, from a place of intimacy with him. Everything else flows from there because when we're stuck in, like I said, when we're stuck in anxiety, we're thinking about how everything works for us rather than how we think about how everything is working for us and how we're working for it rather than thinking about how Jesus is going to provide for me, which doesn't mean, you know, like, be lazy and like, you know, sit, sit and, and be like, Oh God, I need a million dollars. I'm just going to, you know, sit here and just let you do that. You know, cause faith without works is dead. And, and we know that. Um, but all that's all to say that with anxiety, it's like, we have to figure out a, a way to stop focusing and having other things on the throne of our heart, have other things on the throne of our heart other than Jesus. It begins that Jesus is our peace. Peace is a yeah. person. Peace is also a feeling like that peace is a feeling I think is the primary way people view peace is this feeling of 
rest, this feeling of serenity, like you said, this, yeah. these feelings of peace. Um, I don't even know any other adjectives to describe the word peace, but but this idea that peace is a person, which therefore makes it a reality, which then it becomes the feeling, is the order in which peace is supposed to show itself in our life. Yeah, And I'm going to make this tangible because... This is Ephesians 2.11. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by flesh in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of uh, blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The antithetical of peace is hostility. Think of peace in wartime. Peace in 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 world history is often used in a war war type. Yeah, you're either context, fighting yeah. wars or your countries are in peace. So the antithetical of peace is hostility, and the only hostility that exists in our walk with God has been done away with by the blood of Jesus, which was the Gentiles, which I'm a Gentile. Like we're like we are Gentiles because we were not Jews. We were not Israelites. So Jesus broke down this dividing wall of hostility that was the we were not God's chosen people and we were not circumcised, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at that time were separated from Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. So basically what I'm trying to say, this is in reference to, Paul is speaking to the Gentiles, the people who were not Israelites, who their whole life were told that we are unclean, we are that we have to go to Jerusalem to 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 worship the the one true living God, yeah. that we have no birthright, we have no access to the Father. This is who Paul's audience is. Yeah. But at the same time, it's to the same people who now who don't even know Jesus, who have no access to the Father, that you are living in this this rea- reality of hostility in your heart. But in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself, himself is our peace. If we can understand that peace is not just a feeling, and anxiousness is not just a feeling— but peace is actually a person in a reality that should elicit a feeling of peace. But so oftentimes we fixate on the on the feeling like I feel anxious or I feel peaceful. But these things are byproduct of something way bigger. If you can understand the reality of who we are outside of Jesus, the hostility of what it means to not walk with God 
having no access to the Father, being a stranger and an alien. An alien, bro. Everybody talking about aliens right now on the social media algorithm. algorithm. <laughs> Joe Rogan talk about it. Out of this world, we have no even access to God in any capacity. Strangers, but now you are a fellow citizen with the saints and members of the household of God, and that God therefore killed all hostility in his body through the cross. I don't know. I'm rambling, but brother, I just... This reality of Jesus Jesus being the Prince of Peace and peace is him and peace was made in his body. It's peace being bigger than just this feeling is, um, I think, is going to set people free. So I just wanted to talk about that. Yeah, bro. It, it reminds me of like like what I was talking about earlier with, you know, having our eyes set on him um, and, and how that can remove any and all types of anxiety or even depression. It's like you could even see that in the scene of where Peter was walking on water where he was walking yep. on water with Jesus, his eyes were on him. And the moment yep. his eyes looked away from him, what happened, you know? Um, and like, once he removed his eyes from Jesus, he felt there. He, he wasn't mm-hmm. walking on water anymore. And I think that's how, that's literally the scene or image that we can see to understand what it looks like to just have our eyes focus on him because everything else just flows from that place. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's really good, bro, what you said. You can talk about this is like your bread and butter, what you built your podcast on, or not you built, but yeah, you built it on, and your 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 heart cry, but intimacy with the Lord. And I've talked about it on a lot of podcasts, but I just want to hear your perspective and your words, how you describe intimacy with the Lord. I I'll, I'll be even honest too, bro. At first, like when I first came to like enjoy, I didn't know what it meant, you know, to have intimacy with the Lord until I started walking with Pastor Marco. I was like. He kind of he kind of told me he was like, "Look, bro, like intimacy is not only just like this thing that you think of just like walking in your room and closing your door shut. It's a thing of where you surrender everything." And and the thing is is like a lot of people go into their secret place and have this monologue with God where it's just them talking and they never sit and receive and have a dialogue and hear what he has to say. And a lot of people think of it as an audible voice, but what I take it to is the reason when you're in your secret place and you close your door and lock your door and you have the word of God is because the word of God is living and the word of God can speak to you as well. Um, and, I, and I feel like the ideal image of something looking like intimacy is, you know, walking into that room, closing the door and surrendering everything to Jesus. Because not only not only does he already know like the, that he you you having conversation with him and and you reading his word, you're going to be able to hear his voice. And understand that like the things that he has planned for you, the things that he has said for you are going to come out of that place. Um, especially like for me as a creative, a lot of the videos that I've made like come out of a, a moment in the secret place. And like for me, like especially right now, like I've been in like this moment of like creator block or whatever. And I know I haven't been in the secret place. And like once mm. you've been in the secret place before, you know what it's like coming out of it. Like you're transformed from your secret place. Like, a lot of people want revival. A lot of people want all these things to happen. But if you're not in your secret place, how are you supposed to pour out what's been poured into you in that place outside? And I think of just the secret place as a place where you get poured into for you to pour out when you get outside those four walls. I feel like there's there's like different sets of the four walls. Um, this is probably a tangent, but I feel like there's different sets of the Go four for walls. It. It's your bedroom of your intimacy that's the first set you gotta you once whatever you get in there you gotta take that into the next four walls which would probably be your church or whatever your community 
and stuff. And then from there, whatever you get poured into there, you go pour it out to the world. You go pour it out in like in evangelizing. You go make disciples of Christ. So I think that all and that all starts and stems from a place of intimacy with him. Because the only way you get to know him is to know his word. The only way you get to know him is to literally have intimacy with him and speak with him and pray and 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 worship and you know just give him everything that you have. So I mean that's that's the ideal way that I see intimacy and and how it and how it works and how it functions. I feel like people try to make it super complicated like there's times definitely where I'm like playing my audio bible in the car and I'm driving and I'm praying and you know some people for some people it looks different. It, some people it could be in the shower, some people in their bedroom, some people you know it can we literally have free access. And once people have revelation that we have free access to the Lord, that means you can worship the Lord anywhere. You can speak about the Lord anywhere. You can, you can read his word anywhere. Obviously there's places in other countries, you know, where it's like a lot harder. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. Like there's a lot of places where it's a lot harder to do that, but Mm -hmm. you still can. You can't draw water from an empty well, but the beauty of this life that we live is the well of God from God. Um, John 4, these waters will well up to eternal life. It says here, it says, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, talking about the well that they were at. But whoever drinks from the water that I give them will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give them will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Bro, like literally, if there's anything that we talk about the most at our churches is John 4. We talk about the Samaritan woman like... Marco's in here right now. <laughs> he, he talks about the Samaritan woman at least, I'd say like six times a year. We got it. We have to have that remembrance of that. We can only really get eternal life from the well, which is Jesus. Like the well of worldly things is never going to satisfy us. We're always going to look for more. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, bro. All right, guys, that's the end of this podcast. Me and Shema actually got disconnected from FaceTime. But make sure y'all go follow him on all his social medias, all his accounts. He's the content he's putting out right now is really encouraging. You can just see the Lord and everything he does, and he uses his voice. You know, he uses his voice to share what God is putting on his heart, not just his creativity. Thanks, Shema, for coming on. We bless this conversation. My spirit feels edified. My spirit feels encouraged. We pride ourselves on being a Christian podcast and resource. So make sure you share this with a friend and uh, become that resource to other people. But other than that, we will see you on the next episode. Um, God bless.